0: Say amen. Amen. How many of y'all would help me real quickly? Let's welcome all of our Fairview family to the worship service this morning. Let them know we're glad they're joining with us. One church, two locations, one God, one future. Say amen. 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 Grab your Bible. Turn with me to John chapter number four. John chapter number four. We're going to take a break from Matthew just for this week uh something special i wanted to do today uh doesn't have anything to do with the fourth so but i am glad we have freedom say amen Amen. i love red white and blue and all that goes with that but uh there's something i wanted to share with you we we had an opportunity to have a gentleman come and speak with many y'all know we are training pastors from all over america Uh, we're trying to reach our nation say amen DMD, uh the training uh disciples making disciples and uh we were able to have a man uh, come and share with us about sharing our faith. Uh uh he is probably I I I would I wouldn't even hesitate to say probably the greatest soul winner in America today. Uh Dave Gibson, uh he's from uh Minnesota, uh but we're not going to hold that against him. <clears throat> Uh, He is, he, he, we, we were able to be in with him for about a three or four hour session uh, with our pastors. And I said, man, you've got to come to temple. I need you to come to temple. And uh, we were able to secure a spot and it's so hard to get him. Because he's so booked up, but we're going to do a training with him this coming Thursday. Uh, you have flyers in the, in, the, in the chairs with you and we'll talk about this more uh, uh, at the end of the message today. But if you possibly can, I would encourage you to be there. Uh, how many of y'all, how many of y'all have people that you love? Raise your hand. Have people that you love. Uh, how many of y'all know that those people that you love, are going to spend eternity in heaven or hell. And, and we have a responsibility to help them get to heaven. Amen. Amen. And so I, I'll speak more about that. And I wanted to speak towards that today. Uh, I know it's out of our series, out of Matthew, but, but this is really, really important to me. And I pray that it'll be important to you. If you found your spot, John chapter number four, I want to begin reading in verse number 27. If you've found verse 27, say amen. amen. It says, and upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Now, this is the woman at the well. Most of us are very familiar with this story, and I'll elaborate on that in a minute. But Jesus has been speaking and witnessing and, and reaching this woman who's had a very, very bad past, and, and now things have changed in her life. Amen. amen. But the disciples come upon them and see this, and and they kind of they kind of were blown away that Jesus would even talk to this woman. Yet no man said, "What seekest thou?" or "Why talkest thou with her?" The woman then left her water pot and went into the, uh, her way into the city and saith to the men, "Come, see a man, which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ?" Then they went out of the city and came unto him. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed. See, there's two scenes going on here. Uh, the, the newly, the newly born again Christian is at the end of the city. And now the disciples are being confronted by Jesus. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him saying, Master, eat. And he said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, hath any man brought him aught to eat? Jesus saith unto them, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true: one soweth and another what? Reapeth. Reapeth. I sent you. Say that with me. I sent you. Say it again. I sent, you. I sent you to reap that whereon ye bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and ye are entered into their labors. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman. the woman. It didn't say the saying of the disciples. You know why? Because they didn't say anything. They didn't say anything. It was because of the woman which testified. He told me all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them and he abode there two days. And what? Say it again. And many more more believed because of his own word. And said unto the woman, now we believe not because of thy saying, but we have heard him ourselves. And we know that this is indeed the Christ, the savior of the world. Let's pray. Dear heavenly father, I'm so grateful and thankful for all that you've done for me. I am well aware of how uh, little I deserve to be standing in this spot. And Lord, I am well aware also of how much I need the Holy Spirit to encourage and help us today. Lord, fill me with your power. Fill me with your anointing. Help me to get across what you've gotten across to me. I pray that your perfect will be done. Move in a great way. I pray that you'll touch every person in this room. I pray that you will challenge us today. I pray that you will convict us today. I pray that you will encourage us to reach out and reach our loved ones with the gospel. Lord, we'll praise you and thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. There are several things, there are several things that have happened in the last couple of years. Everybody's so familiar and, and really not just familiar, but they're so sick of hearing the word COVID. I need a witness right there. Uh, I, I was on a plane and riding in a plane and, 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 and I never realized how, how, how much I despised that mask till I had to put it on again <clears throat> and wear it and, and just the frustration and everything that goes with that. Now begin to think about everything that, that, you know, COVID has taken away from us. COVID has taken away many of our loved ones. There are several in here that uh, your loved ones is in heaven right now because of COVID. COVID has taken away freedoms. COVID has taken away so many things. But one of the most dangerous things that's taken away is the momentum and the, the the really the passion or even the desire for a Christian to tell someone else about Jesus And you say, preacher, what are you saying before we would invite, say, Hey, won't you come? Do you get to go to church anywhere? Won't you come to my church? Well, when you're out of church and you don't have church and you have to do church online, it's kind of difficult to say, what church do you go to? Cause ain't nobody going to ones. Amen. Come on. Then, then just engaging somebody. Uh, you're walking down, and if you've noticed it, even even without the mask, people still will look the other way. They're intimidated. We we don't want to approach anybody. We won't don't want to get close to anybody. We want to keep our distance. You, it takes 21 days to make a habit, and we were in COVID way longer than 21 days. And I'm afraid the habits that we created during the time of COVID, we have kept on, and and we have stopped inviting people to church. We stopped engaging people with the gospel. We stopped initiating an, an invite, or not just inviting people to church, inviting people to Christ. And we've got to get back to work. We've got to get back to work. Listen, uh, I, I, w- I want to share just, I see so much in this chapter, so much in this story. Uh, the story is about Jesus stopping in Samaria. Uh, the, typically, Typically, the, the 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 Jewish people would avoid Samaria like it was the plague. Uh, they would go down and, and cross over the Jordan River on the east side, and go down and come back over into uh, Capernaum into the Galilee or Galilean region. Uh, they didn't want to have anything to do with Samaria. But in this chapter, you will find that the Bible says he must needs go through Samaria. And I'm so glad that Jesus loved this woman enough that he's decided, I'm going to go regardless of what people think. I'm going to go because that's where the Holy Spirit was leading him to go. Say so, amen. amen. I must needs go to Samaria. He sits at the well, and a woman comes. He sends the, the disciples off. They go into the city to buy meat. It's time uh, for groceries. They got to go get something to eat here. And and so Jesus is at the well. And I want to be short with this part because most everybody's familiar with it anyway. Uh, he invites a woman to salvation. He offers her uh, eternal life. He offers her salvation, and she says, "I want what you're talking about. I want this well of water springing up that I don't have to come to this well anymore." And he confronts her sin confronts her sin. Uh, she has to admit her situation and he introduces himself to her. He said, she said, we know that when the Messiah comes, he's going to tell us all things. He said, woman, that's me. That's me. And this woman leaves her. He, she leaves her, her, her burden. She leaves this, this water pot and she goes to tell everybody what she has found. Say Amen. And I see so much of the modern Christian in this story. I see so much about a baby Christian in this story. I see so much about a seasoned Christian that's been saved for a while. And as we see this, I want you to look, if you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, and before we we jump into that, I want you to look at the very top of your notes. Look at the very top of your notes, Matthew chapter four, verse number 19. And he saith unto them, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples, all right? Jesus speaking to his disciples. What does he say? What's the next two words? Follow me. Everybody say it. Follow me. Everybody up in the balcony say it real loud. Follow me. Follow me. Now, as a Christian, uh, as a disciple, that means you're following Christ. So, everybody in here that claims to be a Christian, claims to be saved, claims to be born again, claims to be a disciple of Christ, that means you're claiming to. Come on, you got quiet right there. I I think you know what's coming. I think you know what's coming. That means you claim to be following him. Now, what is it? What do we do when we follow him? Look at the rest of the verse. He saith unto them, follow me and say it with me. And so if we are claiming to follow Jesus, that means we are claiming that we are fishing for men because followers of Jesus fish for men. Followers of Jesus want to see people saved. They want to see people come to know the salvation that they've experienced. Followers of Jesus want people to follow Jesus. Amen. This is not, this is not hard to understand. This is not difficult. Jesus calls them from their former life. Jesus calls them to what they used to be and what they used to do. And he says, follow me. And if you follow me, I will make you to become fishers of men. So it's obvious that Jesus says, if you follow me, you will. Amen. Oh, I, it gets, it gets less and less and less people. <laughs> you know why it's getting less and less people? Cause you're not fishing for men. Right. If we follow Jesus, we will fish for men. Now watch this. Now he's got some disciples that are in serious training. They are being trained to be. Come on now. They're being trained to be of men. so, uh, their responsibility, their job, their purpose in life, what they live for, what they are being trained for, what they have been called for is to be fishers of, men. fishers of men. But let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. You know, when brother Dave was in the training with us, uh, a couple weeks ago in Columbus, Ohio, he said something to me that kind of startled me, and it and it and and and, and it really makes a lot of sense. We, we Christians are on Facebook and up in arms over uh, the, the the homosexual agenda, over the transgender issues, and all the things that's going on. And I'm not going to lie, I'm not going to lie. Every time you look at the news, this world is getting more depraved by the minute. I mean, I mean, totally, totally black, wicked, satanic, demonic, depraved by the minute and fast. If you notice, it's, it's increasing in speed also. I mean, it's getting worse and worse and worse and it's multiplying and getting worse and worse and worse. And, and we can start saying, well, this is the greatest danger to the gospel. This this agenda is the greatest danger to the gospel. Liberals is the greatest danger to the gospel. Uh, This sinner or this sin or this situation is the greatest danger to the gospel. This government agenda is the greatest danger to the gospel. In my soul, Brother Dave said, let me tell you, all of these things are horrible. All of these things are wicked. But the greatest danger to the gospel is the silent Christians. The greatest danger to the gospel is not what sinners are doing. Because sinners have been doing what sinners do from the beginning of time. The greatest danger to the gospel is the Christian who will remain silent and will not share the gospel. That refuse to be fishers of men. And so as we see, number one, <clears throat> if you're taking notes, write this down. First in this story, we see the modern Christian. We see the modern Christian as an example by the disciples, verse 27. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that now remember, 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 y'all remember? You say, what are we supposed to remember? Do y'all remember? If you follow me, I'll make you right, right. So that's what they're supposed to be doing. So it says this, and upon this came his disciples and they marveled. They were shocked. They were blown away that he talked with this woman. Yet no man said, what seekest thou or why talkest thou with her? That's very wise. Amen. The modern Christian is found in these disciples. You say, how do you, how do you see the modern Christian in the disciples? Because a, they were only focused on themselves. They were only focused on themselves. You say, where do you see that? If you will notice, and if you'll read the chapter and you'll read between the lines, you will see that the disciples had gone into town. The disciples had gone into town to buy, to buy food, to buy meat. It was their agenda. They were just living their life. They were just doing what they were, uh, you know, a, a normal thing to do. There's nothing wrong with buying meat. There's nothing wrong with buying food. I like food. Say amen. amen. I like lots of food. Hey, I, anyway. That's not the issue. That's not the deal. They had an agenda. They were going through their thing. They were doing their, they may have had their list. We got to buy some bread. We need to buy some fish. We need to buy some tartar sauce. Amen. Amen. And they do all these things. They do all these things and they're coming back. They're coming back. And when they come back, they see this, this, this person talking to Jesus, this woman talking with Jesus and, 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 and that conversation is done. And so she passes them to go into the same city that they just came out of. Are y'all with me? And so they begin to talk to Jesus and engage Jesus. And I'll get to that in just a minute. And, and as they're talking to Jesus, this woman who has found the Messiah, yeah. This woman who has, listen, has experienced something that she never experienced before. This woman who at the beginning of the day was carrying a very heavy burden, was now walking this high off the ground with no burden to carry. And I got to tell somebody about what I found. She reminds me of a baby Christian. Have you ever noticed that baby Christians just got to tell somebody, I got to tell somebody, somebody needs to know about this. They need to know what I found. They need to know what I've got. I got to go tell somebody, Hey, I got saved. And there's nobody, there's nobody as excited in any church in America than the one that just found Jesus. There's no one that will, it, 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 it will get involved like the one that just found Jesus. There's no one that will volunteer like the one that just found Jesus. Because they are excited. They are happy. They got to tell somebody. And then we got the seasoned ones. Us has been around a while. Us has been saved a long time. Us has got Christianitis. I just diagnosed that <laughs> Christianitis means you, 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 you've been a Christian a long time and, 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 and you've been a Christian so long that the only people you know are Christians, the only people you associate is with Christians. The only people you hang around is with Christians. One of the, one of the most, one of the most frequent things I hear all the time when I say, Hey, who are you going to share your faith with? Well, well I, I don't really, I, I all I know, the only people I know already go to church. What have we done? We've isolated ourselves from the people who need us the most. But not a baby Christian because they just come out of that world. And they, they're excited. Y'all, y'all see where I'm going with this? Now, look at the difference. She went into the same city that they just came out of. But she wanted to tell somebody. And she did tell somebody. And watch what she did. She brought them all to Jesus. And they didn't tell... Talking about the disciples. They didn't tell a soul. They had the cure to every single person in that city's problem. And they didn't tell a soul. They were walking with the son of God. They were walking with the Messiah who had been promised from the beginning of time. And they knew who he was. And they didn't tell a soul. You know why? They were too busy. They had an agenda. We got to get some fish. We got to get some bread. Hey, somebody find some tartar sauce. We got to get back to Jesus. And didn't tell a soul. Now, how many of us are so busy? We get so caught up with our agendas and we're around people every day and we never tell a soul. We're just like them. You see the modern Christian today. And when I say modern Christian, I mean one that's been saved a long time. We only are focused on ourselves. We get so busy, so scheduled. And because we're only focused on ourselves, B... They failed to see the great opportunity around them. They failed to see the great opportunity around them. You know, I I, I, I preached several months ago, several months ago about praying for Bob. How many of y'all remember Bob? Anybody remember Bob? Pray for a burden, pray for an opportunity and pray for boldness, right? Right. Pray for a burden, and by the way, I got that from Brother Dave. The ones that's going to be speaking Thursday, so act like y'all didn't hear that. <laughs> pray for a burden. Pray for an opportunity. Pray for boldness. And 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 we we fail to see the opportunities that's all around us. You know, here they come into a city who doesn't know Jesus, who's not aware of the Messiah, who doesn't have salvation, and the only thing they've seen was. A sandwich. Are y'all with me? They totally missed the great opportunities. Sometimes we make excuses. Sometimes it's kind of like the man, it's kind of like the man who went to, uh, went to Africa and went in the bush and, uh, he was a shoe salesman and he got there and he sent a, he sent a telegram back to his company and said, Hey, there's no sense in trying to come over here. Nobody wears shoes here. And so they sent this young guy who was who was very energetic and and uh, he, he, run, he, he didn't have it all together, but he was he, he had passion. Amen. He lands over there and he gets there and he sends back and says, send me all the shoes you can. Ain't nobody over here got shoes. He sees an opportunity. What are you seeing when you go to work? What are you seeing when you go to the ball field? What are you seeing when you go to the market? What are you seeing when you go and do what you do? Are you seeing opportunities? Brother Dave said in the training a couple of weeks ago, he said, "Man, I see on everybody's forehead these words that say L O S T. What does that spell?" Where do people go when they die if they're lost? Hell. Hell. I begin to think, I begin to think when I was I was thinking about this. I begin to think about a funeral. That uh, Preacher McCormick did. How many of y'all know, remember Preacher McCormick from Jacksonville, Florida? The old time preacher who you never know what he's going to say. <laughs> and he was preaching a funeral. You know, you know, when you get older, you, you really, you just going to say what you're going to say. Amen? Amen. And when you already didn't care, that makes you twice as dangerous. Well, he's in this funeral and this guy was a bad guy. I mean, he was just a, a known bad guy. Matter of fact, the first time I met this guy, same guy we're talking about. He's an old cowboy. Just an old, I'm talking about a real cowboy. I am not talking about no urban cowboy. I ain't talking about one that buys boots out of a mall. Say, so man. <laughs> I'm talking about the real deal. Cowboy. He he, 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 he was real deal. He, 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 when, when the very first time I met him, Brother Smitty introduced me to him. And, uh, and I was, we was walking through his yard and I seen a bunch of pens out there with dogs out there. And man, I saw that and kind of got excited. And I'm thinking, man, them, them, them walking dogs, but they were, they were cow dogs. And, and, and I said, I said, man, you got any coon dogs? He turned, never met me before. This is the first time this man ever met me. He said, he said, ain't nothing worse than a coon dogs than the fool that'll follow them around in the woods. I know what y'all thinking. Y'all thinking I was tough and I said something back. This dude's 6'5, 300 pounds. I didn't say nothing. I know I don't look too bright, but I'm smarter than your average bear. That's the first thing I ever heard from this guy. I mean, and he, he didn't even break, he didn't even break stride. He just kept on walking. He didn't say, sorry, preacher, I offended you. He didn't care that he offended me. This guy, he was just a, just a, just a terrible, terrible guy in his life. Preacher McCormick told me that there were several people that there were there because they were glad he was at this funeral. Some were making sure he was dead. I mean, it was that kind of a situation. And I'm thinking, man, how do you, how do you preach that funeral? He said, the very first thing he said was, he said, he is, spoke his name and said, he's in hell today or he's in heaven. One or two places. Now, most of y'all are here because you're glad he's in hell. He said, but I got to ask you a question. How many of you helped him get there? How many of you helped him get there by the life you lived in front of him? How many of you helped him get there by how you spoke to him when he did try to do right? How many of you helped him get there because you failed to share what you had with him? How many helped him get there? Man, when I heard that, I, I really understood the power of influence the power of influence. I've been reading this and, 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 experts say that every person in this room right now, you have influence over seven people. I'm talking about great influence people that will listen to you, people that will heed what you are saying. We have great influence over at least seven people in our life. It may be a family member, it may be a friend, it may be a coworker, but you have great influence over seven people. I want to ask you a question. Where are you helping those seven people get to, heaven or hell? These disciples went into this city and told nobody about Jesus. They were so They were so busy with their agenda. They were so, so distracted by what they had on their plate that they failed to see the opportunities all around them. How many of us are going every day and we're not seeing the opportunities? We're not seeing the the, the times that Jesus brings people into our life so that we have the opportunity to share Jesus with them, share what we have with them. What did the Bible say she did her. She testified when you testify, that means you have a testimony. And what was her testimony? Come see a man who told me all things ever. I did what she do. I've taught y'all this before. She told her, come on, everybody. She told her everybody, if you're saved, you got a story. If you're born again, you have a story. You have a story. You have a testimony. And if you have a testimony, you need to testify. You need to tell somebody your story. What is your story? Your story is very simple. It's it's comprised of three things. Your life before Christ, how you came to Christ, and your life after Christ. Somebody say amen. Amen. That's your story. And you need to be telling your story. You say, "I I don't have a story. If you're saved, you got a story. Listen, listen, how many of y'all are saved right now? Raise your hand. I'm born again, sanctified, blood bought. Yeah, so raise your hand. Come on, right now, now. Raise your hand. Now, how many of y'all were there when it happened? Yeah. <laughs> You're an eyewitness. <laughs> and if you are an eyewitness, you have a which is called a testimony. Yeah. So let's use that word. If you are an eyewitness, you have a. And if you have a testimony, that means you need to testify. And all God's people see it. Oh, feel a little God right there. Amen. We got a story. We got a story. Everybody's story is different. Nobody's story is the same. My dad's story is different than my story. He came came from a hellish life. I came from a very Christianese life, a a, a separated and, 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 and strict life, a disciplined life. But we still have a story. All she did was tell her story. You don't have to know half the Bible. You don't even have to know the Romans road. Just tell somebody your story. Say amen. Amen. I'm supposed to be short today, but it's not working out that way. (laughs) What was number one? We see the. Everybody say it. We see the. Now, now can we all agree right now before we go to point number two? I'm I'm, going to hurry. I promise I am. But can we all agree that they missed it? They had a great opportunity and, and, and listen, we, we really couldn't be too hard on them, but we have the evidence that this woman brought the city out. That means they were ready. That means they were looking for something. They were looking for help. So this was prime territory, man. This was ripe fruit that was ready for the picking. I went down this week. I, had a, I went and seen my brother this week and he's got a mango tree in his yard. He's got a mango tree in his yard, and right right now we need to pray for him because he's in a serious war with some squirrels. <laughs> squirrels will—they've been getting his mangoes. He's done shot about nineteen of them, but they're just coming in droves. And 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 he was out there, and you know, and I, and I'm just—I'm ready to pick him, man. I mean, I see mangoes all over the tree, and I went to pick one. Oh, wait, wait, don't pick that. I said, why not? Why not? He said, it ain't ripe enough. I said, it looks ripe. He said, it ain't. He said, watch this. And there was one that was ready. Brother Mickle, he just bumped it with his fingers. Boom, and it just fell off in his hand. Yeah. Most of the time when they're ripe, they'll fall off the tree and you, you pick them off the ground. You got to check them every day because the squirrels will get them. Say amen. <laughs> but the point is, when they're ripe, they're ready. And so he had a whole city there that was ready and they missed it. I promise you this, ladies and gentlemen, we have people around us every day that are hungry. They're looking and they are, they're ready. But we're not looking for them. We're not looking for them. We're we're, we're too busy looking for a sandwich. Listen, we're fishers of men, guys. If we're following Jesus, we're supposed to be fishers of men. And all God's people see it. You see, we see the modern Christian, but number two, look at the missional Christ. Look at the missional Christ. And I'll go fast with this. I'll go fast with this. We're run out of time. The missional Christ, they get back to Jesus. They're blown away. I can't believe he's talking to this woman. They said, Jesus, verse 31, in the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him saying, master, eat. We got you something. We got you something. We got you a sandwich here. Here's something to eat. He said, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Then his disciples, did somebody bring him a sandwich? Who brought him something to eat? Here we are slaving away, preparing this meal, and you ain't even hungry. Who got him something to eat? You see, they, they, they missed it. Two things we learn from the mission of Christ here in this point. We see the source of his fulfillment. The source of his fulfillment. And I, I use the word fulfillment from, from, from the meat, from the sandwich, from the food. Now, why do we eat food? Because we're hungry. But when we get enough food, we feel, say, amen. Fulfillment. Feel full. Or what's the key word? Satisfied. They will come to your table, sir. Can I get you some more? No. I am. And what's the what's the S word? I am. I'm satisfied. There's nothing like fulfillment in life. (laughs) There's nothing like getting fulfillment from what you do or from what you have right? You're not, you not wanting to buy this or that. You, you're, you're satisfied. You're full. You're fulfilled. Fulfillment. Jesus is saying there is something that fulfills me. There is something that satisfies me. There is something that gives me great joy and contentment. And ladies and gentlemen, it wasn't a sandwich. In other words, when this woman left without her burden, Jesus had a smile on his face. Amen. When this woman's life was changed and she began to tell others about Jesus and about who he was, it gave a great sense of contentment and fulfillment to the Lord Jesus Christ and being a missional person, you will find great fulfillment when other people find the Lord. Amen. But we're so, we're so used to trying to fulfill the the longings of the flesh and our physical appetite that we've totally missed what really brings fulfillment. And that is bringing people to Jesus. I'm going to tell you this right now. There is no greater thrill. There is no greater joy. There is no greater source of fulfillment than when you kneel beside somebody and you help them find the joy that you have and the peace that you have, the salvation that you have, the future that you have. There is a source of fulfillment found in bringing people to Jesus that can be found in no other. And being a missional person, and that's what we're supposed to be like, is to be like Christ. What is your source of fulfillment? What is your source of fulfillment? By the way, if you want to know what your source of fulfillment is, check your checkbook. Because whatever your source of fulfillment is, that's what you're going to be pursuing. Let me say it again. That's what you will pursue. If you see what people spend their most money on or spend their most time with... Or their most dry, what are they pursuing? That's what they perceive as their source of fulfillment. And by the way, it don't always have to be bad stuff to be bad. Listen, you know, there was a time, Pastor Doug, that building a new building was my source of fulfillment. Boy, I can't wait to get enough people. We're going to reach, 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 work, work, work so we can, you know, you you think that the, 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 the pinnacle of success is when you, because growing up, you see that and it's ingrained in you, you know, build it and fill it and then build it bigger and fill it again. And then build, you know, your source of success is by being in a building program. And boy, how I found that that was the wrong ladder to be climbing. It's bad when you climb the ladder and get to the top and find that it's leaning against the wrong building. What is your source of fulfillment? Watch this next one. Watch this next one. This is huge. This is huge. Keep in mind, what is your source of fulfillment? You see, the mission of Christ, we find his source of fulfillment. He said, I have meat to eat that you know not of. In other words, I have a source of fulfillment that you don't even even have a clue. Then the direction of his focus. And by the way, By the way, your focus will be directed to whatever you think your your fulfillment and your source is. Watch this, John 4, 34. Jesus Jesus saith unto them, Jesus saith unto them, because remember they just asked, where did he get that meat from? First he tells them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. I have a source of fulfillment that you don't even realize. They said, well, where, where did he get it? Who gave him this food? They missed it again. Look what he says. Jesus saith unto them, My meat, my source of fulfillment is to do the, the will of him that sent me and to. Some of y'all are running around, running around, running around like a chicken with your head cut off and you're trying to find fulfillment in everything this world has to offer and it's going to leave you just like Solomon empty. Look at Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is a story of Solomon's search for fulfillment and contentment, right? Amen. Satisfaction. And, he, and, and, and this was one man who had every, every, all the money he could have, all the power, everything this world could possibly offer, God said, okay. And, and you hear a phrase in Ecclesiastes over and over and over and over again, under the sun, under the sun, under the sun. That means without God, I'm going to find it here on this earth. Without God, I'm going to find it under the sun right here. He sought fulfillment and contentment in money. He, found, he sought it in possessions. He sought it in pleasure. He sought it in entertainment. He sought it in women. 700 wives, 300 concubines. What a moron. But you see, this world will publicize that, that if you just had her, yeah. your wife's not enough. You need this one. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's a brilliant. Now you're paying for two of them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you need this car. You need this house. You need this stuff. If you just had a little more. And when Solomon was doing, by the way, you're not smarter than he was. And intelligence wise, because God gave him a supernatural wisdom. And he said, when I did it all, when I bought it all, when I saw it all, when I experienced everything this world had to offer. This is the word, one word he come up with vanity. And you know what the word vanity means? Come on. I can't hear you. A little louder. He had it all. Yet it left him. You know what Jesus is saying? Jesus is saying, let me tell you something that won't leave you feeling empty. If you will just, whoo, hallelujah. Let me tell you what fulfills me. And by the way, this is coming from a man where foxes have holes and birds have nests, but he don't have nowhere to lay his head. He didn't own a thing on this earth. He even had to borrow a tomb. Some of y'all didn't catch that. He only needed to borrow it because he's only going to need it three days. That's right. Had nothing. Lived like a homeless person. But yet he said, Whoo, I'm so full. I'm so satisfied. I'm so contented. Well, What's bringing you all this contentment? It ain't your house because you ain't got one. It ain't your new chariot with the souped up Hear me? Because you ain't got one. It's not a, y'all. y'all see where I'm going with this? He's, let me tell you what, my fulfillment. Boy, when I do what he's called me to do, when I do what he's, whoo, I'm feeling God bums. amen. When I do what he sent me to do, I feel so full and contented and satisfied. I just don't believe it can be that way. Why do you think all these millionaires who thought they could find fulfillment in all this stuff are taking their own lives? People who's had it all that we think, boy, if I just had that, no. Mm-mm. I didn't really come to say all that, but you needed to hear it. This thing that you're chasing to try to find fulfillment in your life, it's not going to be found there. But I encourage you, tell somebody about Jesus and watch what happens. Especially if they receive it. You'll be walking this high off the ground. Church, say amen. Amen. Let me give you this last one. I got three minutes and 30 seconds. (laughs) What was number one? What was number one? We see the The modern Christian. Can we all see that in these disciples? We get so caught up. We get so busy. And by the way, I'm not preaching at you on that. I know. I get it. Man, you can get so busy doing good stuff. It ain't doing bad stuff. You just get so busy that we miss the opportunities all around us. But then we see number two, we see the. And by the way, the missional Christ didn't care that she was a Samaritan. He didn't allow prejudice or culture. He didn't allow tradition. It wasn't that just she, she was a married, she was a woman. Right. A rabbi wouldn't even. And all you women, who live people in here, Jesus elevated the status of women in the gospels. Yes, right. He didn't care. He didn't care about her past because he already knew about her past. Right. Some of y'all, you know about some people's past, and you want to associate with them. Shame on you. Right. He knew that she had had five husbands and was shacking up with the one she had then. He didn't care. Listen, if you're going to fish for men, you can't be culling them. You can't be culling them. Now, I went fishing with my brother and there was some he didn't want in the boat. Hooked about a 12 foot bull shark. And Eric said, Eric said, how are we going to get him in the boat? Joe said, you ain't. Get a 12 foot bull shark. He going to tear everything up in the boat. Listen, we'd catch one That's trash fish. It ain't trash fish. Took me 20 minutes to get him in. That's trash fish. You know, I thought about, you know, there's a lot of people that treat people that way. See, Jesus didn't call anybody. And if you're going to be a fisher of men, you got to take them like to come. So why do we need to do that? Because he did with you, Amen. Amen. Number three, number three. Oh mercy, men in fourteen seconds. Number three. Look at this. Here's, here's a ministry certainty. Here's a ministry certainty. Truth reminded. Jesus said, "Look, guys, my meat is to do the will of this. The verse thirty four. My, my aim is to do the will of Him that sent me and to finish His work. Say not ye." Verse 35, say it with me. Say, come on, everybody. It, it, Will y'all do better out there at Fairview because they are not helping me over here? Say it real loud, everybody. Say it real loud. Say it again. Don't you dare say. That's what that means. That's Alabama translation of the King James. Don't say. There are. Yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, look on the fields, for they are white, all ready to harvest. You, you, let me tell you what Jesus is saying right there. Don't procrastinate. Don't procrastinate. Don't make excuses. Amen. Say it with me. Don't make excuses. Say it again. Don't make excuses. He said, lift up your eyes. Now, why would he say lift up your eyes? That's because they was looking down. I mean, if they're looking straight, he said, lift up your eyes. You'd be looking at the sky. But he said, lift up your eyes. Look on the, the fields. So that means he was getting on to them and they shamed. It's like some of us this morning, we've been looking at the floor a few times, haven't we? But he said, lift up your eyes. Now, this is what I believe happened. This is what I believe happened. I believe with all my heart. All right, they crisscross, right? Y'all look at me. I'm almost done. Jesus gets through talking with her, changes her life. The disciples are coming and they cross. They're coming out of the city and she's going into the city. She goes and says, come see a man that tells me everything I ever done. This is the Christ. I found him. All right, Jesus is getting on to them because of their failure. They didn't tell anybody. They didn't tell anybody. He said, you're making excuses. You're procrastinating. Well, you think you're going to wait to the end of your training before you tell somebody who I am? And so now all of a sudden, what happens? What happens when she went and told the whole city that she found the Messiah? What did the city do? They came out. out. So here they come. The woman's bringing all the people to see Jesus. And the disciples are getting chewed out. So they're looking with their heads down. And he said, lift up your eyes. Look. You know what I believe? I believe he said, look at what's coming. Look at that harvest that you missed. Look at that harvest that was ready. That I had already sent men in because he told them I sent men to labor. You're entered into their labors. All you had to do was reap. There's people all around us, guys. Everywhere we go, there's people all around us that are ready, and all we gotta do is tell them. You don't even have to pull weeds. You don't even have to plant seed. The seed's already been planted by somebody else down the line. God's just expecting you to do some reaping. The easy word. Somebody asked me the other day, Preacher, did you plant your garden? I said, no. One thing is, because it never works. <clears throat> and and I and, and people from the church, they bring me corn and maters and okra and squash. I enter their labor. I reap from where I've sown not. And let me tell you, that's a better way to be. Do you see what Jesus is saying here? I sent you into this city where there was easy pickings. You know, I've, 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 I've done the plowing and I've done the planting and I've done the the weeding and all that stuff. But I like it a whole lot better when Mr. Don, you'll just bring me a whole bag of corn. Say amen. (laughs) We got people all around us. Quit making excuses, quit saying, I'm going to get around to it. We all raised our hand at the beginning of this thing and said, We have people we love. Well, one day that person that you love is going to die before you get a chance to tell them about what Jesus has done for you because you keep procrastinating. Here's a ministry guarantee certainty. He reminded them, quit making excuses. You remember what we said? The greatest danger to the gospel is. It's not, it's not liberals. It's not, it's not the wickedness in this world. It's a silent Christian. The truth reminded, lastly, write this down, the teamwork revealed. Paul explained it this way in 1 Corinthians. He said, I planted, a Paul has watered, but God gave the increase. God gave the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. Verse nine, verse nine, everybody read that, look on your notes, see if you unfolded unfolded it, you missed it right there. Look at verse nine. Look at verse nine. For we are what? Laborers laborers together with God. You know what that means? Brother Melvin, that means we're not working for God. We're working. What does that mean? That person that you want to see saved, that person that you want to see make it to heaven, God's already working on them before you get to them. God's already sent somebody to plant the seed. And by the way, you may be the seed planter. You may not reap that harvest yet, but you may be the one that plants the seed for someone else to reap it later on. But either way, guess what? We all get a mater sandwich. whether I planted it or someone else watered it or y'all with me yep. or somebody else picked it. We all get a mater sandwich. Yeah. So let's get back to work. Amen. Fooey on COVID. Let's get back to work. Amen. Let's get back to inviting. Let's get back to sharing our story. listen, we're probably, since COVID, on the average sense, I know today's crazy. It's July 4th, and most people are at the lake. And that's okay. Early in my ministry, I'd be railing on them. But that's okay. It's, it's all good. Hope you enjoy your vacation, do what you do. But here's the thing. Next week, let's get back and bring somebody with us. People are going to go to heaven or hell. Which one are you helping them get to? If you haven't shared your testimony, we know where you're helping them get to. Let's get back to work. Let's get back to inviting. Let's get back to sharing our story. Because whether we know it or not, or believe it or not, Jesus is coming soon. And all God's people say it.